are under my power. Look into the hypnotic eye. We are the survivors of a disintegrated solar system. Tell this to everybody wherever they are. Watch the sky. Everywhere. Keep looking. Keep watching the sky. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. Please assume the position to repeat after Mr. Lobo. You see? You see? You see? Your stupid mind. Mind. Stupid. 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 Listening to Share a Slice with Sean. I'd like to welcome the legend Mr. Lobo. He is the host of Cinema Insomnia. He's the creator of Outer Space International. He is a regular attender of Blobfest. And he also was in the um, fantastic remake of Plan 9 for out- from Outer Space, rather. So, Mr. Lobo, thanks so much for being on the show today. Wow, what a glowing introduction. I, there was, there was, I'm not used to that much reverence in regards to my work. <laughs> Uh, and I, yes, and this year we're, I am, I've been the MC at Blobfest for the past, uh, five years. So this year's a, a special one because it's the 60th anniversary of the 1958 classic, The Blob. Oh, okay. So the festival hasn't been running since then, but that's the movie has been around. There's only been one blob, the movie, or there are many. There have been many um, iterations. Well, there there are other blob films. I think that this this what we're celebrating in Phoenixville is the original film, uh, primarily because the film was shot in the in the region. So um, the the theater, the Colonial Theater, where Blobfest occurs, is the same theater in the movie when the blob gets loose during the spook show, and and all the patrons go running out into the street. Um, which we recreate every year. We have a, a live reenactment of um, the famous runout scene from the movie. So 300 people get up out of their seats and run out the front doors, and the fire department blocks off the uh, streets, and um, it's fun. That, but uh, yeah, that. So, but we, we. I love all the, all. I like any movie with 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 slime in it. But for this festival, the primary focus is the original blob. This is like, uh, this sounds so cool to me. I know that, uh, well, actually, we'll get into that a little bit. I, I want to kind of circle around here. Uh, sure. Just we'll the, circle. We'll, we'll circumvent. We'll come back. We'll come back to the we'll news. Get back. I'm making later. a note here of this. Uh, we'll get mm-hmm. back to the blob. But I just want to start out and tell the listeners a little bit about, uh, about Mr. Lobo. Uh, who Mr. Lobo is and what it is that Mr. Lobo does exactly. I I'd love, that- I'd love to hear this. I, I want to hear it. 
I'm, 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 I'm on the edge of my seat. It, it is. I, I mean, it is. I mean, I, I, I rattled out a whole bunch of things there, but I'm like, I mean, I think that the average listener might know the word host. Um, they might know what yes. plan means. Um, but I'm not sure if they know all those other words. So let's start with um, a little bit about uh, horror hosts, because I think that there's a broad term for these 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 people who um they they present older movies or b movies on on you know on uh tv stations um and and my dad actually worked in a small tv station and he he actually was in charge of like he they had a film projector that projected the movie onto a screen and then he had a tv camera that film Telecini. Yeah. The film that. Yeah. And he said that yeah. every once in a while Kinescope. the film would break and he'd have to like and if he was out for a smoke or something, he wouldn't actually realize it, it until yeah. considerably later. Oh no, that's terrible. Well, all of that is sort of related. And let, let and you have to say horror host, because if you say horror host, it sounds it's too saucy. It never gets that interesting. That's another show entirely. That's a whole other show. Yeah, I don't have the I don't have the legs for it anymore. But uh, basically, uh, yes, everything on presented on television used to be cans of film, and this was certainly true in the 1950s. Um, and the, the, the film product before they had videotape film product was delivered to the TV station and then it was projected just like your, what your dad did. And then it was shot with a live video camera and then whatever, whatever was on the screen went out over the air. Um, and when the, when screen gems, uh, sold the original universal horror films to television, this was the first time Dracula. Frankenstein, uh, Son of Frankenstein, uh, King Kong, all those movies were coming to television. And there was kind of a resurgence and interest in uh, the, the original horror. We were, on, we were on another cycle where people were into the older horror films of the 30s. And um, so they were marketing this, this stuff for TV for the first time. And they thought that if there was a presenter, that it might be a, a good sell for this kind of a show, much in the same way they have hosts showing cartoons or, or whatever, that it, it was an idea to use a, a live presenter in studio to tie, tie this package of films together so people would, would watch week to week to week. Uh, and in American television, that's very important because you're setting your advertising rates. You know, mm. you, you, you'll get awesome ratings for son of frankenstein but you know when the when the strange door or something is playing or you know the brain that wouldn't die or whatever else that you've got your ratings are going to be considerable considerably lower you know but if you have a consistent host people will watch week to week no matter what the movie's in movie is um especially if it's if if they like the host um so and and i think in, in american horror for whatever and i don't know if it's just to take take the edge off of the films or what but there's a there's there's definitely a tradition of a presenter for horror a uh, storyteller um you know certainly the old comic books tales from the crypt um 
and Vault of Horror and the old EC comic books. And before that, in radio, which I think that probably the, the people who made the EC comics grew up with it on radio with shows like The Witching Hour and Inter Sanctum, Inner Sanctum, uh, and uh, where you have a, a creepy host, often funny. That's the th- usually the hosts are, even though the, 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 the scariness is almost a, a joke in itself because almost every horror host is, is, is humor driven. It's very rare that they're serious. Yeah, actually, um, yeah. So when I was growing up, my uh, my dad either my dad wisely or unwisely gave me this little like radio that had this tiny little four inch uh, black and white TV in it, and that kind of opened up my eyes. Like after I was done watching David Letterman, I I you know I basically caught whatever the late night movie was. And, um, and, you know, occasionally I, you know, they would be playing some of these goofy movies from even the eighties. There was like a sort of, um, some of these, some of these more, they, like they, they took on sort of almost comedic, like, I don't know if they were scary to people in the eighties or not, but it was like that. But they also had like Elvira, uh, creature features here in Canada. We had, uh, the house of Frightenstein that was played sometimes during the day, sometimes during the night. And you're right. It was always like this horror, horror comedy thing. It was really campy. Billy Van was uh, the star of that show and played multiple characters. And of course, um, uh, Vincent Price appeared on that show for free, uh, reportedly. Mm-hmm. So he was certainly a good sport to be part of the festivities there. And, and that's a great show, House of Frightenstein. Even though it's not a horror host proper, it certainly fits. It's certainly the same wheelhouse. Yeah, it definitely. And I mean, um, yeah, I just remember that in the 80s, it, it, for me, uh, Elvira just came out of nowhere. Like, uh, I guess I wasn't so much into it. I was more like a kind of a guy who watched Doctor Who or something like that. And I didn't really, Mm -hmm. I didn't really, or Star Trek. And then all of a sudden Elvira, she had her own game and on the computer and she was like kind of getting up there and then, you know, and then all of a sudden, like all, there was all kinds of variations of this sort of general genre. But what you're telling me is that the genre itself lasted, was much sooner than this and it it sounds like it was there to like to be able to to almost like provide some sort of fill between commercials in the middle of the night so that you could make that part of the night kind of profitable keep keep people watching yeah i i I, yeah i think to keep people watching certainly and 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 i think for timing issues too because you know if you've got a two-hour slot and you have a you know 65 minute roger corman movie you know, you got a lot of extra time. Mm. Uh, so uh, that that I think was probably part of it too, is formatting it, formatting these movies for television, formatting them for advertising. You know, you, you're going out to a break. You know, you're coming back from a break. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then the fact that it was that these shows, you know, this is before on demand or videotape mm. or anything like that. You know, originally, you know, people would be tuning in in the middle of the movie and the host would be catching you up and saying, you know, so and so found a key and this other thing happened. And now back to real three of tonight's movie, you know, so you you, they kind of, um, you know, got you up to speed sometimes, too, or gave you trivia or tidbits or or give you things to look for that are coming up 
teasing parts of the movie. So it, it, it was there was more of a function to them, I think, originally. And, um, you know, and the people who did those jobs were working actors originally. And then as as the movies got cheaper and the 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 the, the, the stations budgets got lower, uh, definitely the uh, they were less often actors and more often the newscaster or the sportscaster with a bad Dracula cape. <laughs> I mean, uh, one thing that I noticed uh, from your show, which is called Cinema Insomnia, that's your current show where you do something like this, is that yes, you have you have these movies which are sometimes, um, well, kind of uh, the, the the last movie that I saw was I think it's called The Red House or something. Yes, and, and the movie was kind of. Uh, I, I didn't get it. Like it was pretty, I think it was trying to be an art film or something and failed. And I mean, but you, you it's like you are there watching the movie, but Mr. Lobo's there with you watching the movie. So it's like, it, it brings a certain amount of humanity to the movie. It's not just, so, you're not on your own with this movie. It's yes. like, you're not all alone in the middle of the night. It's you and Mr. Lobo. Who are either your companion or suffering it through it. Yes, you're a companion, certainly. And that, that's something that that took me a long time to realize is that, you know, there is the basic function of, of a horror host from a technical standpoint, but from a viewer standpoint, um, which is strange that it would take me this long to figure this out, because it was certainly the case when I watched Creature Features as a kid, uh, when I grew up watching that show and watching the show with Bob Wilkins, I felt that he was a cool guy to hang out and watch a movie with. So, you know, you wanted to watch the movie with Bob and he was your companion and you wanted to hear his comments or, you know, or whatever. So I think that, you know, that is probably job one of a horror host is to be a companion and, uh, and sometimes a curator, you know, because I think for some people you're, um, you're introducing them to this kind of material for the first time. Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, that would be the case with me, I think, to a to a large extent. I mean, so tell me a little bit about uh, Cinema Insomnia, because that is your current um, incarnation. I mean, before that, you well, actually we'll back up a bit. I mean, you, you I mean, how did you get started as a horror host? I guess we could start out with that. Sure, sure. I mean, obviously, as a kid, I love this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, I did write uh, articles and do artwork and things for magazines and fanzines. And in the 90s, I was part of a magazine called Planet X, where we uh, did uh, nostalgic articles about science fiction and horror and what have pop culture. And we had interviewed Bob for that magazine. And it brought back a lot of memories about the fun that we had watching creature features in the 70s. And this is in the 90s uh, when I was doing this uh, uh, writing. And it had been a long time since that kind of show had been on in our area. And um, so it was something that I was missing. And there, there wasn't that show didn't exist at 2 a.m. in the morning or 1 a.m. in the morning um, or midnight. And I thought it would be great to try to do a modern sort of version of that kind of show. And I had no idea that across the country, 
you know, every local region had their own version of this kind of a show. Plus, of course, Elvira and things like that, too. But there were a lot of, of there were other places where these types of shows were being made. I just wasn't aware of it. Again, this is sort of, you know, the, the you know, this is the 90s. So the Internet was was not, you know, people weren't watching full television shows on the over the Internet. Right. So I, I, uh, we started doing these live shows where we were showing films and I was doing comedy, um, just at bars and stuff. And, um, I met with Bob Wilkins. We did a creature features reunion show or, or more of a revival show where Bob came out and hosted, a, a horror movie just like he used to. And we did skits and stuff, and I wrote material, and Bob was very encouraging for me to pursue doing what he did, even though I wasn't thinking that that was something that could really happen. It was something that I wished could happen, but I didn't really see a lot of opportunity for it. Um, and then a few years later, I was lucky enough to get a job at a television station, and I was working in the production department, and they had a movie at 3 a.m. on Saturday night which was Sunday morning, technically, that ran 20 minutes short. And um, so I just went in and said, with the courage that Bob Wilkins had given me and the encouragement uh, and the encouragement of people at the station who thought that I was funny or whatever, I just went in there and said, you know, I think I could fill that 20 minutes with something and it would be something that the production department could do uh, rather than sitting on their hands in between live news feeds. So they liked that idea, and um, we just, you know, started making Cinema Insania as an overnight program for the 3 a.m. to 6 uh, a.m. slot. Um, well, wait, that's too long. Three, five, three to five. <laughs> bad, bad math. Two hour slot, three in the morning. And uh, so we, we um, started um, really almost immediately. I made a pilot, and they aired it. And I came back to work on Monday morning and I'm like, what did you think of the pilot? And they're like, oh, we aired that. Where's next week's? I'm like, <laughs> wow. What, what, do you, what do you mean? Where's next week's? I made one show. I'm not ready to give you another show by Saturday. They're like, so they were just, so it, we just immediately had to jump into it. And so um, I had to kind of find the character and, and find the, uh, what I wanted to do with it. Um, and, uh, as far as the aspect of, of Mr. Lobo is concerned, it's like Lobo is my actual given last name. And, uh, originally I was going to go by my full name, but it didn't, I wasn't as relaxed as Bob was being myself. It was much easier for me to be an amplified version of myself or funnier version of myself. So, um, so, but it was also something I could live with because if I figured if the, if the show caught on, um, you know, if I'm getting into my car at two in the morning, I don't want somebody yelling, Hey, Hey, uncle spooky pants. Yeah. I saw the movie <laughs> last Saturday. It was great. So I, I figured Mr. Lobo, I could be someone's geometry teacher, you know, and it's a sort of a in the know kind of thing. You either know who Mr. Lobo is or you don't. And it was sort of, it, it just gave it a little, it gave it a little mystery, but it was something that uh, I felt I could live with if it was something that caught on. And then something we even weirder happened is that after years of doing it, because this is 17 years of doing this stuff, 
the person that you're pretending to be for the show might be closer to who you really are than the person you pretend to be for bill collectors and ex-wives and family members and you know so and, and friends from school and all that so you, you realize that it's like wow they're 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 you know um at a certain point it, it becomes part of you and uh i I pretty much, uh, I'm not necessarily living the character because there's a big difference between how obnoxious Mr. Lobo is on the show versus <laughs> how obnoxious I am in real life. Um, I'm definitely kind of making fun of myself um, for the version of me for the show. Um, but, um, you know, it's definitely something that, what I like about it is that when people meet me at conventions and stuff like that, they met Mr. Lobo and they can tell people they met Mr. Lobo. They didn't meet some guy in a t-shirt and cargo shorts that vaguely looks like this cool vampire or, um, you know, creature that they enjoyed on a show, you know? Right. <laughs> so right, I, I, I right. I'm pretty much you, 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 what you see is what you get. If you see me in person, I look like I look like on the show. I, the hair is real. The glasses are real. It's I have so many people ask if it's a wig or if the glasses are fake. And it's like, no, no, that's just what I look like. But I'm glad you think I'm wearing a costume. <laughs> Mr. Lobo is damned, but still a man. Through years of meditation and proper diet, I've been able to control my urge to become a monster. Miss Mittens made a deal with the devil to come back to life, so she's damned now too. Does that mean you're going to become a were mittens or a mittens wolf or wolf and mittens? Apparently, lycanthropy is the herpes of Satanism. When the full moon comes on, you might grow a long sleeve shirt and a face covered in clay, just like the monster in tonight's movie, The Beast of Yellow Night. Werewolves never wear like a halter top or a polo. Is he even a werewolf in this movie? I mean, the Beast of Yellow Night, is that just another reference to Moonlight? Or just more passive racism? If there's a chance for Moonlight or passive racism tonight, Miss Mittens, you may turn. Just try to relax. Just get drunk and try not to change. Just like always. Mr. Lobo needs to think. I need to figure out this movie so that we can get our souls back. Let's return now to reel four of the film that does for werewolf movies what Wang Wang did for spy films. The Beast of the Yellow Knight, a.k.a. American werewolf in the Philippines. And, and, and I mean, um, 
uh, I'm assuming that you don't go to the bank and refer to yourself in the third person though, right? I mean, uh, that would be where it kind of cuts off. Yeah, I, I forget to do that sometimes. I think that's that it's funny things that disappoint people when I maybe accidentally point to something with one finger instead of two. Or if I refer to myself, if I don't right. uh, often refer to myself in the third person, those things are more character. And and it is interesting because even on Cinema Insomnia, there are times when I let the character take over more and and, and other times I, tr- I am myself more. Sometimes with interviews, I'll ramp the character way down because I feel like I'm putting the person off. And I'm not doing like a Jiminy Glick kind of thing where I'm trying to make my interview subject uncomfortable. So a lot of times if I'm if I'm trying to get an earnest reaction or earnest interview out of someone, I I'll I'll dial the character down real far. Yeah, I mean I notice in some of your interviews you're you're I mean I think it's fair to say on some of the interviews you're sort of uh, f- being a bit of a fan, so I can tell that you're kind of jazzed up about being interviewing this person, and that's not the way I would expect Mr. Lobo to behave. Mr. Lobo is sort of more centered on himself, I think, the character. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And it is a weird thing because the show has, um, on purpose very loose rules um you know and uh and everyone understands it's a show i i you know there's no sort of you know suspension of disbelief i think that that it's it's stagey on purpose and it's artificial and it's just playtime and um and you know there's sort of bugs bunny cartoon sort of physics to everything it's like mr lobo's been killed like eight times on the show or more you know you know, so there's no sort of sense to it. Sometimes we're in the past. Sometimes we're in the future. Sometimes Mr. Lobo likes something a whole lot. Another episode, he might hate that same thing that he liked in another episode. So, it, you know, there is kind of a the, the a hypocritical <laughs> aspect to this character and also sort of a, a self-aware kind of deliberately incongruous quality uh out of time out of culture right um, and uh never following the rules even the rules that we create the whole thing's filmed in a black void and uh i mean tell tell me a little bit about the characters uh i mean i know that your your true love mr lobo's true love is in fact miss mittens and yes uh, Miss Mittens on again, off again. Right, it's not. It's kind of rocky, right? Uh, yeah, it, it, I think it, we've been married and divorced several times. I think that there's been, yeah, a lot of a lot of drama between us. But Miss Mittens is is not your standard co-host. Miss Mittens is a potted plant. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a, a, originally a gift to the show by a, by a, the weather of uh, the meteorologist um, uh, weather personality on the TV station. Little gave Mister Lobo gave Mister Lobo a house plant as for my set. Okay, (laughs) thinking that I'm doing like a morning show or something, you know, and it's like, well, I don't really have like a I'm like in a rocking chair in this black void of space. There's and there wasn't even a side table at that point. It's like I it was like, what am I going to do with like just a plant in this place where there's there's not even sunlight here? It's just it's just this black void, this mysterious kind of thing that we're sort of setting up with this eerie blue light and this black void. And it's like, 
oh, and this house plant. So originally the house plant was in a different setup, um, another part of the void. And then I would go over to this pedestal in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of, of limbo, there'd be a pedestal with a plant on it. And then I would water the plant and and I would talk about the movie a little bit with the plant because we we actually weren't allowed to have a lot of strangers in the studio, mm. you know, without them signing releases and everything. And and at that point, and you know, um, you know, I felt like well, it'd be nice to kind of bounce off of somebody or to have some sort of commentary. So I just started talking to the plant as if as if uh, with a one sided conversation, you know, and we sort of. I mean, to be honest, we almost would have phased that character out if people just didn't keep writing and asking, how's Miss Mittens? What's Miss Mittens doing? It's been a while since you've watered Miss Mittens. You know what I mean? So it was a discovery. Really, the fans sort of really pointed out that this how this works and that it's really kind of interesting that this host is talking to this plant so once the fan reaction was there for toward the plant then i thought well now we have a character so i'm going to bring the plant in to the regular setup and and just have miss mittens right next to me occasionally uh, and so, and that ended up working well and we just sort of kept doing it. And, and sometimes I back off of it and some people I don't. There are some people who are not Miss Mittens fans where they feel like Miss Mittens henpecks Mr. Lobo too much or they argue yeah, too much. Or, yeah. So, so, so sometimes, so, so we, we back off it sometimes and then, we'll, you know, I, I usually look at the, the, the content of the episode and the humor of the episode and say, say to myself, will this really play well with Miss Mittens or maybe we should have a different companion or no companion or, you know, I, I try to actually match the movie and, and, and whatever, whatever the, the movie kind of, when I watch the movie that we're going to host, I, it kind of speaks to me and I go, okay, well, this is, this is going to be the theme of it and this is how we're going to go and these are the characters we might include and etc yeah you know miss mittens she always struck me as being a bit uh dominant over uh mr lobo <laughs> uh, yeah and uh i'm sure that some married people out there might uh, married men might uh, kind of get that but maybe some don't um but i, I have seen there, there was one episode where miss mittens actually uh tweeted during the entire episode she was in a big yes. uh, uh, pro-plant, uh, anti-human, uh, I can't remember which yeah, one it was. Prisoners, Prisoners of the Lost Universe was the episode. It was right after Richard Hatch had passed away, and uh, we wanted to do something to tribute uh, the actor from Battlestar Galactica. Right. Um, so we, he was in a film in the 80s. So we wrapped around that film. We did a bunch of Battlestar Galactica material. And then we had Miss Mittens um, kind of, you know, I figured, well, it's not good for Mr. Lobo to say mean things about this movie in which we're kind of trying to honor this person. But since Miss Mittens doesn't care and doesn't even like people anyway, maybe having that sort of humor coming from her direction would be a little more appropriate than coming from my direction. Yeah, and I think it says a lot about the character Mr. Lobo as well. Like, it adds a certain creepy mystique that, uh, you know, uh, he's talking to this potted plant. Uh, you know, it's almost like Norman Bates, but maybe not as creepy. Uh, but 
You know, no, I, I agree with you. I think you, I think there is something to that. And which is what's really interesting is that is that originally I thought that talking to the plant would be a clue that Mr. Lobo is not all there mentally. Um, but what I find really interesting is no one ever assumes that the plant doesn't talk back <laughs> as far as when we have when we have guests on the show or when we have letters. No one ever says, why are you talking to a plant? It's always how's Miss Mittens or hi, Miss Mittens. So it's it's an interesting thing how how ready people are to play along versus the most obvious conclusion, which is Mr. Lobo's just, you know, bats out of his mind. Tell me a little bit about like, well, tell me a little bit about the pledge, because this is like a highlight of every night. Uh, uh, you, you, you do a insomniac sin, pledge and, and this this mysterious person comes out of the from behind you with what looks like an umbrella or something and starts twirling it around. And uh, it's got, you know, the usual uh, swirling hypnotic. Picture and then you you kind of pull your eyeballs down and uh, do the pledge. Uh, it, yes, the insomniac oath is what we call it on okay. the show. And, right. um, and, and a lot of people say pledge, and it is a pledge. I mean, it is a pledge. I, as an initiated member of the Sleepless Nights of Insomnia, do solemnly swear to watch the movie, the whole movie, and nothing but the movie. So help me, Mr. Lobo. You may stand down. <sighs> Hurts more every time. Mm. And now, let us return to tonight's feature, The Beast of the Yellow Knight. But uh, the Insomniac Oath is something that I think originally I was paralleling or parodying. This is sort of old television, old radio where they're indoctrinating their audience, you mm. know, um, you got Captain Midnight or whatever. And it's like, you know, I promise to listen to my parents and brush my teeth. And, you know, you've got these sort of things where there's a sort of a participation um, that's that's required. And then the same thing with like other cult things, you always like Rocky Horror and things like that. There's sort of like a call and response or, um, you know, so there's there, there is an aspect to presenting cult movies that always has this sort of participation element, you know, and, and almost an initiation element. Right. And, and and so I think that that was something that I thought is that if we've got this group of people that are watching these movies late at night, you know, um, to make them feel like they're part of a secret club, you know, and um uh, so that was the original part of it. And the oath was actually something that was only going to be done when I felt the movie was particularly hard to stay with. And and so it was something that you would look for. That was the original idea is that it was like, OK, the, it's getting real. We're going to have to do the oath to to stay with this movie. But like Miss Mittens, it had such a strong fan reaction and so connected to the mythos of the show that it became a staple to where we almost, you know, we try to do it almost every show or, or, or as often as we can, just because it's, it's so connected with the show. And the same thing with the catchphrase, they're not bad movies, just misunderstood. I had said that in one episode and it was the kind of thing where um, fans kept parroting back to me. And it's like, I thought you're not dreaming you're watching Cinema Insomnia was the tagline of the show, but that's not true. The, the tagline is 
they're not bad movies, just misunderstood. And that's because of the fans. So I guess in an interesting way, the whole thing has been a two-way communication. You know, the, 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 the audience is a very important part of the show. I'm talking directly to the audience, and, um, which is rare. I mean, even with news, they're reading to you. They're not talking to you. So it, I definitely want to feel like, you know, I, I, I definitely want to feel like I'm a good companion and I do try to listen. If people really respond to things, I really try to listen to that because I want people watching at home to feel like uh, their companion is present and listening to them. Well, I, one thing I noticed really is that um, this format that you have uh, even with the newer episodes, where obviously it's on it's on demand now, it's it's available on Roku. There's a channel called OSI seventy four, Outer Space International seventy four, and um, I mean, even though it's on demand, when I try to watch it during the day, just on demand, it, there's something not right about it. It's like I'm too stressed out by the day or something. I can't do it, but. If I if I set myself up around you know eleven p.m. or something like that and get into it, yeah, there's something about it, and and it, it seems like as soon as I try and fast forward or rewind it, the illusion's gone. Like I have to watch because you insert, um, I mean there are there are retro commercials that are inserted too, so it's like I'm transported yes. back to those days with my my cruddy little uh, black and white TV, except it's in high def with you at least. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I also find that, um, I, I, basically that's, I, I'm not quite sure where I'm going with this now, but it's kind of like it, it, there's this, there's this way of watching it and, and, and it's like a, it's like a whole thing that's, that's taking you back basically. And, and, and it, 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 it oh, that, what I was getting at too is like, you know, uh, one night in the middle of the night, I was watching the late night TV and it turned out to be Naked Lunch by David Lynch, right? And I fell asleep and then I woke Cronenberg. You're right, Cronenberg. Yeah, Lynch did the, the highway one, but Cronenberg, yeah. And I woke up in the middle of a scene where uh, a middle-aged woman uh, or some, or it could have been the main character appeared to be um, sexually stimulating a cockroach typewriter. Or maybe I just dreamed this, okay? <laughs> and yes. it was just, uh -huh. it, it brings me back to what you said about uh, the dream thing because uh, I think that your show is really well suited to 3 a.m. because you're you're catching people when they're kind of at a at a place between wakefulness and sleep sleep. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean because that's that is essentially the design of the show. It's a waking dream. It's it's definitely designed to be to be. My favorite films have the 3 a.m. feeling. Whenever you're watching it, it feels like it's three in the morning. Um, and, um, Plan 9 from Outer Space was one of those movies. Mm -hmm. it, it's very surreal. It has, it has dream logic. You know, if you try to plot it out with a magic marker, it doesn't quite make sense, but it seems to make sense while you're watching it. Um, Italian horror films are like that for me too. It's like, if I try to mark it out with a magic marker, okay, this happens in this movie and then this happens and then this, ha I can't do it. I can't follow it. 
but if I just am watching it, it seems to all make sense. Um, and with uh, cinema insomnia, there's a stream of consciousness. A lot of what happens in the commercial breaks pertain to or inform uh, the film or vice versa. So, uh, you know, it is kind of a, the best way to enjoy it is to watch it late at night and to let it wash over you. I mean, it is called cinema insomnia and it has a very late night feel and all of that's designed. The difficulty with that is it's an impossible show to sell because whenever you show it to a sponsor yeah. or a network, they're watching it with this, like, you know, with a cup of coffee in one hand and tapping their foot and, you know, how come the intro's so long? It's like the intro's 48 seconds. It's not that long, you know. It's just they don't understand it. They, if, they, if you could get that same executive to get in their pajamas and get into an, uh, you know, have a cup of hot cocoa and watch that movie at two in the morning, they would completely understand it. But, you know, getting people at that right time. Uh, and, and I think it's a hard, it's also a hard movie to sell because it's a show that people really should discover. You know, you don't want someone ramming it down your throat. Oh, you got to watch this thing because then you're watching it. You're not watching it with the right mindset. You really have to watch it with a very passive mindset to really, to really get it. And, 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 and again, I like that kind of show and I'm really making the show that I was looking forward to in the morning. So, you know, I, I'm just kind of trusting that people will find it. And when we were on channel 10 in 2001 at three in the morning, that, that, that time slot before we were there got hash marks, no discernible rating in the Nielsen's. And after we started doing our show, with the peak being at about halfway through the show, we had 22,000 homes watching wow. at three in the morning. So with our, with our first effort from, we got, we went from zero to 22,000 homes. And, um, and when we went into syndication, we got really great ratings. I mean, we were beating um, the X-Files reruns on the other networks and stuff like that with our show. So, you know, but, when you try to quantify those people, they're so spread out. They're so, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's very hard because it's, again, people are watching it passively, you know, they're watching it just as they're going to bed. Um, and it, it, it's sometimes hard to track those people and to find those people and to advertise to those people. The other part is that they're smart. My audience is really smart. So it's hard to advertise to smart people. Um, uh, you know, advertisers aren't looking for smart people. No, no. So, no. so it's, 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 you know, so it's been, a, it's been a, a complicated thing. And every once in a while, it's the perfect storm of the right network and the right, you know, maybe we get a good sponsor that hangs with us for a little while or whatever. And, and times are very, very good. And then, you know, things shift, regime shift, management shifts stations get bought out or go out of business or what have you. And then we're, you know, every two, every two to two and a half years, I was pretty much rebooting the show with a new network or a new format. Um, we did very well with DVD for a while. Um, and then we were on a horror channel a few years back called zombie TV. And um, we did well with them. We were probably the highest rated thing on that channel other than the boobies. Um, and, uh, you know, they sold the channel and they were done. 
but we weren't done. And so, you know, we showed up at the studio one day and they were packing everything up and it's like, oh, okay, well, it's over, but we still have a show we want to do. So, you know, if we could start it all over and do our own channel, what would we do? And my wife and I um, designed the logo for OSI 74. And we thought it would be fun if it was like an old UHF uh, TV station or an old uh, broadcast station or maybe even an old early cable station. But basically, um, <clears throat> uh, not really theming it specifically to horror, but things that are weird and retro, you know, or, or, you know, things that are weird, things that are funny, things that are retro, or some combination of weird, funny, or retro. And so we, we started just kind of gathering uh, a lot of our friends, people we've worked with, people we wanted to work with. And we ended up getting help from Guar and Church of the Subgenius and right. Foamy Squirrel and all sorts of people just kind of came out of the woodwork who wanted to put content on the channel. And, uh, um, and it's a good home for Cinema Insomnia. And, you know, my, my, my show is available to whoever wants to air it. Um, but it's nice that at least with my own channel, I have one consistent place where people can always find it and find the new stuff. from Outer Space International. You're looking at the future. A future bigger than TV. What home entertainment has never been, but will be in the coming era. Make peace with your God, if you have one. For not even your creator can prepare you for what is to come. This is OSI. 74. The most important multi-platform techno-possible system and fan-powered entertainment media webwork collective yet devised. We're free. That's right, we're free thinkers presenting hundreds of far-out and fantastic shows that are also free. Add us now to your Roku device or learn more at OSI74.com. And get ready for strangely great movies on OSI 74. Laser beams are drilling. I'm holding my head, but I don't even feel it. Zombies out for killing. But I'm not scared at all, cause I've already seen it. Wild music from eclectic, groundbreaking artists. I'm watching TV. We have a Saturday morning lineup for the whole family featuring classic cartoons and kids shows. Uncover mysteries and conspiracies on our secret Sunday's lineup. Provocative international shows from the four corners of the earth and beyond. Mind-blowing satire on our subgenius subchannel. And I'm staying up late. I'm watching TV. Super I'm watching specials TV. and other curated content. And I'm feeling okay. 
You'll be amazed. You'll laugh. You'll experience many different creative worlds. Best of all, we're free. Free to watch without any expensive equipment or long-term contracts. Attention, Sinsomniacs. Mr. Lobo must warn you that tonight's feature was used by the local poison control center to induce vomiting. Don't stay up late. It's not worth it. Godzilla has a brain about this size. And so, we're yeah, we're talking about OSI 74, which is available on Roku. Uh, you can also see some of the stuff on Vimeo, too. And I, I saw in the most recent... Um, cinema insomnia that the 74 that harkens back to the uhf days like uh, 74 was like the max channel or something like that it wasn't quite the max they it usually went to 88 i believe was the very highest in, wow. in the old uhf spectrum and um 74 um was everything under a certain number everything above that's what it was everything above 63 or 69 was sold in the early 80s for um uh cellular phones in oh that band. okay so you know how video killed the radio star yeah um cellular phones killed uhf I so no um so uh having a, st a station number in that area in the in the higher end like that is sort of really specific to an air to a time period after 1964 before 1984 um as far as as a uhf would be um a lot of early cable stations uh had a lot of uh, early channels, a lot of public channels and community channels seem to be in the 70s also. And I think a lot of that translated from UHF into cable, at least in the United States. A lot of channels that, that even Cinema Insomni was on in the early days in syndication or on cable were always seemed to be in, in the 50s to the 70s. Um, as far as the numbers go. So the, the, in the mythos of Cinema Insomnia, I had created Channel 74. Um, so some of the old episodes I'll, I'll mention that were on Channel 74. And so that's kind of, you know, OSI 74 is kind of expanded from, I guess, the Cinema Insomnia mythos to that degree because there was always sort of an idea of a, of a Channel 74. And so on this station, you, you've got your show. And then you've got like all kinds yes. of other shows too, which are, I mean, you've got retro cartoons, you've got, um, and then you've got other ones too. Uh, I'm afraid I'm drawing a blank as to this one guy, but there's a sle is sleazy something. He's the, uh, he's the, he's yes. the, he's the guy who, who, who you have a promo spot and you're, you, you are asking for, you know, a dollar or something for for osi 74 and and then he says or you could buy me some crack <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah where uh, you buy crack from sleazy um oh yeah uh, i think is what he was saying uh, yeah. he he sleazy p martini is a character from the guar the rock band the uh intergalactic rock band guar mm. um which was very popular at its most popular probably in the 90s um, and have these really elaborate stage shows with right. rubber monsters and, and blood squirting out into the audience and live decapitations on stage and all that. And uh, they, uh, 
uh, Sleazy uh, or Don Draculich, who is Sleazy, is one of the founding members and created a lot of the armor and the you know design for 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 those uh, creatures, as well as his own character, Sleazy P. Martini, who is their manager in the universe in the mythos of Guar, the the intergalactic rock band that crashed in Antarctica. I, Sleazy. I need to learn this stuff. I need to. Yeah, sleaze. <laughs> yeah, you need that in your life. Sleazy. It was there. Is their manager in that? You in the in the universe of the of the of the band. And um, <clears throat> so when I went down to Richmond, Virginia, where those guys are based, um, I was making a couple of different movies. I made one called Hi There Horror Movie Fans. I made another movie called Virginia Creepers, and these were two documentaries about horror movie hosts. Um, and, um, when I was down in Virginia, um, making one of those, it might've even been when I was making plan nine. Cause that was also shot in Virginia. I don't know why I have so many fans in Virginia, but a lot of people, a lot of, I've, I've done a lot of projects in Virginia. Uh, so I got a call from Don Dracula or Sleazy from, from Guar. And I remember seeing Guar on uh, Joan Rivers show and <laughs> Sally, Jesse, Raphael and, and, uh, Jerry Springer and Beavis and Butthead yeah. and, and I had a couple of the VHSs. I had Phallus in Wonderland, uh, the VHS. And so I knew uh who Don was. And uh and he said, uh, hey, I'd love to show you the slave pit where we make all of our creatures and stuff. And I thought, oh yeah, sure, I'd love to come meet you. And so we met and we hung out, and then he gave this kind of confession to me that he always wanted to host movies. And uh, I said, well, Don, you know, your character would be great as a host for um, exploitation films. Yeah. And um, so, you know, it was it was a weird thing because he had dropped this on me, this idea that he wanted to do this and that he had even had tried to shoot a pilot before. But it, it didn't. He was thinking about doing great for public access or something, but it just never came to fruition. And so when we started OSI 74, I literally just called uh, Sleazy out of the blue and said, hey, you know that show you wanted to do? Do you want to do it for us? And he just said yes and started making them. And so it was this, you know, he's done like 13 or 14 episodes now. And I think they're they're now starting to show them on Guar TV. But we were exclusive for the whole first season where he was just making them just for us. And uh, so it's it was very, uh, you know, honored to to have someone who has been in the music industry since the late 80s, who uh, is highly creative who's seeing what we're doing and going, Hey, you know, yeah, I want to, I want to play, play along with you guys. So, and, and, and we had the same experience with the church of the Subgenius and mm -hmm. with a lot of the, 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 the cult movies um, magazine and a lot of the different people who've submitted content to us. Um, you know, we've just been very lucky to where it's like, these are people that we admire and that we're interested in and they're interested in us. And, and um, you know, we've got a collective, of people, but it's, it's very loose. It's just, you know, I, they turn in a show and I put it on the, on the channel. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I give some, you know, they'll say, well, you know, uh, they'll ask for advice or like within case of Don, I think I supplied a list of movies that he might want to do or some formatting ideas. I think I did a couple rough drafts of how I might want to format, but you know, for the most part, these guys are working on their own and, um, 
you know, we've got um, a lot of great content on the channel. I think we've probably have aired upwards toward 800, di you know, 800 different videos that have cycled through the channel now and, and 3 million viewers. 3 million. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's something I like about this is you're not going to see this at in a regular network TV station where you just let the creators do the creating, right? I mean, that that's amazing that you give that ecosystem. And I mean, I'm just logged into OSI 74 now. And uh, just to give the listeners an idea, you've got Friday Night Wild, you've got, and this is comprised of Monster Madhouse, Movie of the Week, of course, Sleazy Pictures After Dark, 1201 Beyond, and then you've got um, things that I sometimes uh, watch with my kids, actually, even uh, called, uh, it's called All Systems Go. And uh, my my kids like Gula Gogo, -Go, which is this dance show where uh, kids are dancing around with a bunch of creepy sort of uh, monsters. It's it's funny. It's very, it's uh, kitschy, highly kitschy. And you've got Matt Mer Matt Mercury, the the Custo Monsters and Friends, um, Mighty Hall of Heroes, and and you just got you've got a lot of stuff going on here like a lot of stuff that you're just not going to see anywhere else at all so i mean good show i, I love it oh uh, well thank you i appreciate that i mean like i said same with with cinema insomnia was something that we wanted you know we wanted to make the roku channel that we were looking for and um you know we're actually kind of giving it a complete facelift behind the scenes we're hoping by 2019 we can kind of un uh veil a whole new version of the channel mm -hmm. um but the same great content of course and, and a bunch of other stuff that's just backed up that we just i haven't had the time to to um put on the channel but we have it we have we have so much stuff backed up ready to go and you've got like cool stuff too you've got like uh, church of the sub genius here and uh you know i'm a i'm a reverend in that and you've got uh some i mean you've got cool things that you can buy like uh, i'm seeing like like legit rad t-shirts here like not just your usual fair like i've got this osi 74 is dobbs approved t-shirt which is just this giant all-seeing eyeball here with a with a dobbs pipe he's smoking and it's just you're not going to see that anywhere else i mean that if if someone recognizes you in that you know that you've you've met another another sub genius or another yeti basically a fr yeah a friend friend for life well and that came up from on high i mean that came from uh um dr philo drummond and uh, ivan stang they wanted they asked for specific osi um church of the sub genius shirt to be made um so that came that came right from the top as far as the church of the subgenius goes um and uh so that means a lot that they have a, a pride of being on the channel and want to proselytize to their um flock you know and uh definitely I, they were definitely a big influence on cinema insomnia i mean i i was a reverend in the uh reverend dr lobo <laughs> before i was mr lobo and i i i paid my uh 25 bucks or whatever it was in in the 90s so i could survive x day yeah. and uh I, you know, so, uh, and, and, and looking at all their literature and, uh, the, the, you know, that is how 
it's cult perfection, you know what I mean? Um, and so there was a lot of influence on Mr. Lobo and Cinema Insomnia from Subgenius, and it was nice to kind of come around and actually work with those guys. And originally, we only wanted Arise. Um, I just I had the VHS of Arise, and I wanted to put it up on the channel, and I called. Um, I tried to reach them, and I couldn't. And then one of the Subgenius guys said, oh, you know what? I can put you in touch with um, Dr. Philo Drummond or Ivan Stang. It's like, okay. So I was got into a conversation with those guys, uh, thanks to um, Dr. Sinsomniac, who is a, a Subgenius and a Cinema Insomnia fan who got me um uh, an audience with the church and uh, i just said hey guys i really would i really love uh your stuff and uh we really would love to be able to show arise your recruitment tape as part of our sunday lineup and they looked at the channel up and down and went we love this you can have whatever you want and uh and not only can you have whatever you want but we'll curate you know, a whole section for you and, and add things to it ourselves. So, um, so it ended up being this thing where they created a ministry of Slack, which is a brand new uh, program just th that we have several episodes of. Um, we, we collaborated on a restoration um, uh, of the old hypnotic eye episodes, um, you know, and, uh, and, and other things, a lot of things that are, again, that are coming, um, you know, both Ivan Stang and um, uh, Dr. Philo Drummond, who are the founders, co-founders, have both been kind of been moving, relocating. Now they're relocated, they're settling in, but they're both talking about, you know, coming back to and adding a lot more to the subchannel, the subgenius subchannel, as they call it. And um, and especially when we have our new format, it'll be a lot easier to do that because I'd like to have an interface to where any of the producers can log in and launch their own content. We dance. Today we're going to do the Popeye, the jerk, the twist, the Watusi, just like your big brothers and sisters. Also, Crichton is going to show us some of his films and great googly moo! I'm Sleazy P. Martini, host of Sleazy Pictures After Dark, and we are Outer Space International. Reach for the sky! Yeah, I agree. And you started out, you, you started with your, uh, your podcast not long ago. Um, that's super cool. And, uh, on that, I noticed you're, you're also offering some advertising, but also you got a lot of great, um, interviews on the podcast too. And, uh, can you just let, let us know what the name of the podcast is? Unfortunately, I don't have that in my notes right here in front of me. Sure. Uh, Sleepless Nights with Mr. Lobo is the name of the podcast. And Paul Sanders is my producer and often co-host of, of that podcast. Is this the and, same um, Paul, Paul who did the most recent episode of uh, Cinema Insomnia, the direct? Or is this a different Paul that directed that? No, same Paul. Paul Sanders directed the Red House episode, which was our premiere episode. We originally had another episode slated for the premiere, and it fell apart. Um, we just weren't able to. It was too ambitious based uh, for what, what 
what our funds and time would allow for. Mm. Um, we had a lot of um, footage of um, Bob Wilkins that we were incorporating and footage of John Stanley, who was the second Creature Features host that we'd shot new footage with. And um, there was kind of some complicated technical aspects to it. We wanted to do like a really special wham bam kind of episode for the opener. And um, and because of this, we didn't make it first. We made it last. We thought, okay, well, we get our game going and then right. we'll, we'll make the first episode. But our uh, my game wasn't quite there. Uh, and um, so we had to, rather than disappoint the fans and not premiere, we just reordered the episodes and took an episode from later in the season that we had already made. Um, and it was a very experimental episode that Paul and I made. It's a completely freestyled episode, which is, which is very unusual. We don't usually do it like that. Um, and, um, so it's kind of a lot like the podcast in a lot of ways, because it's just, it's Paul and I playing off of each other, um, him from behind the scenes instead of across the table with the microphone. But it really, that episode is Paul and I playing, you know for the most part. I think it worked out well. And uh, I, I seem to recall that you guys never actually, well, maybe I'll give it, that's giving it away. Everybody should watch it. It worked out well. Uh, see, see if you want to get, if you want to give it away, you can give it away. You can, you can spoil it. Well, it's, it's fine. I don't, I won't spoil the spoiler ender ending for that uh, movie because uh, to be honest, it it's, it's a whole lot of lead up for maybe the last 10 set 10 minutes which is like okay oh got it okay this is what they were thinking this time uh, that's great but I, I yeah i i was thinking of uh you know um the idea that you guys didn't even uh identify the film at all yes during the entire yes. thing that was something we'd never done before um a lot of horror hosts like count gordeval and um a few horror hosts they did they never got the movie you know it was very hard especially when they were on film you know like you're talking about your uncle working at the tv station unless you had a projector at your house it wasn't that easy to string that reel up and watch it um you know so a lot of hosts didn't have time to actually watch the films mm. and so there was always a, a lot of those rapper which is funny because your job is to host this thing and to wrap around it and then you're wrapping around something that you don't really know very well uh and uh so a lot of times uh, uh you know hosts would you know obviously they'd read about these movies they get information about these movies maybe they'd be lucky that they'd seen the movie before um and so there there was there is in the world of horror hosting there is generic episodes where it's basically tossing to the movie tossing to commercial tossing to the movie tossing to commercial and then a lot of times it's it's more a side story where you've got a story with your host happening that's paralleling what's happening mm. in the movie. And so we, Paul and I were going, okay, you know, we've got our Patreon here where our funds are kind of getting thin. You know, we can't do something really ambitious. What if we just did a completely freestyle episode and we didn't even watch the movie? We just did it without saying the name of the movie and without um it being specific to a certain movie and that gives us a generic episode and if we really get stuck we could we could just attach a movie to it 
or attach a different movie <laughs> to the same wraparound if we wanted. If we got really super desperate, uh, so that was that was a it was an interesting idea, an interesting experiment, and we, and and as we were talking about it, we just decided to do it right then and there. So we we had it everything set up from when we were had been shooting, and we just said okay. Um, let's just do a completely freestyled episode. What should be the premise? And, the, uh, you know, I have been having in my life a lot of problems with clutter. I mean, for real. Um, I, I, I hang on to things, a lot of things, props, things that could be used on the show. Uh, you know, I also, uh, you know, I sell memorabilia. My wife uh, sells collectibles and memorabilia. You know, uh, you know, we have a, a, a shop in an antique mall that we sell stuff at hmm. um, uh, with our family. And, you know, so we collect stuff, you know, and our fans collect stuff. And I thought this could be something that maybe people can identify with just having too much stuff and it kind of getting in your way and, and kind of getting in your way of of doing what you do best. You know, you got all these things to help you do a good job and now they're hurting you, you know. Um, so, and a little bit of that psychosis, you know, cause when I, when I, when I come into the studio and I see boxes and boxes and boxes full of props and things, I think I'm mentally ill, you know, there's something wrong with me. Why do I have all this stuff? So, you know, so a lot of the things like, I mean, a lot of the things, a lot of the stories, a lot of the things with Mr. Lobo are very cathartic and very relatable to whatever's going on with me at that time. And when we were, um, uh, when Paul and I decided, okay, well, let's do a freestyle episode. We just, um, we literally just pushed all the crates in front of the camera and started and started from that point and went all the way through, uh, until we had enough for a show. That, it, and luckily Eric, Eric, Eric Miller had been visiting and we incorporated him as well. I was about to say it all worked out so well. And, and, and the funny thing is I, I, I was drawing all kinds of conclusions with the movie. I'm like, well, the movie's kind of vague. It's kind of pointless. Yeah. And, and, and you know, Mr. Lobo wants to hold on to all this stuff, but, uh, you know, the guy there, the father want, wants to hold on to his daughter, uh, you know, uh, yeah, this makes sense. Oh uh, Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I guess I, I, I may have read a little too much into that, but kind of worked. Well, and that's the magic, right? That's the magic trick. Well, and we kind of did it in reverse in regards to where we made the episode, and then we, and then Aaron, our uh, editor, found the perfect film. Ah, okay. You know, so so there was a there was definitely a perfect storm there where it was like he 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 worked extra hard when it was not necessary because again that was, was a generic episode so really you literally if anyone wants to do their own remix and create their own cinema and zombie episode they could take the red house episode and just put their favorite movie in there um but uh that was another thought we thought with this episode that might be fun is to have a contest or something where people could just download a bunch of generic raps and build just your own mr lobo uh, yeah build your own cinema and zombie episode um, but anyhow, yeah, well, we, we did this thing, uh, but with, uh, Aaron, you know, Aaron is a, one of our other producers. Aaron produced the show when I lived in California and, and ed- ed- directed and edited a lot of the, um, episodes, uh, from the 2010 forward. And, um, so 
Aaron uh, still edits the show. Uh, and occasionally he will fly out to Pennsylvania and help us film some. He's coming back out in July. Um, and he, uh, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out, brainstorm as to what movie we wanted to do for this. And, um, you know, basically he felt that this, this movie would, was a movie that we probably wouldn't have a lot. We didn't want to waste a movie that we had a lot of riffing material for right right you know? and um and the only thing that that i added to it is that i really thought that the actress in this movie looked a lot like 11 from um right stranger things and um and then i also thought it was interesting that they were in a in a cabin together arguing and i thought you know that might be interesting to just kind of play drop and uh, uh, a cut from in. stranger things yeah. in there to just sort of sell that idea that that, that, that I'm seeing some parallels between this and Stranger Things. So that, that, I guess, in that regard, we did riff off the movie for that segment um, in the edit, in the edit. Um, but for the most part, it was reversed to where we, we had shot the wraparounds and then Aaron said, you know, this movie might fit well with, um, with what you're doing. It has a lot of the same themes. And then I watched it and I went, well, this is great. This guy's crazy. He hires somebody to help him clean up his house. You know, all these sort of things kind of like have sort of similar parallels. I'm like, okay, well, this, this will, this actually, you know, it almost makes it seem like we know what we're doing. So we'll do it with this one. And so, um, so you've, you've done a couple of live shows, have you? Because it strikes me that like, it would be very translatable to the stage in a sense. Uh, cinema, yes. insomnia, many live shows, many, many live shows. We've only done a few where they are exactly like they are on TV. Okay. Uh, where you've got the movie shown in uh, seven-minute bursts and then actually doing all the, the wraparounds on stage live. We've only done that a couple of times like that. Um, most of the time when I'm presenting a movie live, uh, I, I pop up on stage for 15 or 20 minutes and give out prizes, lead everyone into the oath, maybe introduce the movie, and off we go. So there usually isn't a whole lot of, okay, um, I see. you know, maybe some, maybe a contest, you know, audience participation kind of contest, or or maybe a skit. But um, you know, typically movie theaters that are presenting a movie don't want to present a movie seven minutes at a time, you know. Um, for what they're, I know they're crazy, right? Especially people who are paying admission to see a movie, you know, if, if they're cinema insomnia fans and they're specifically there to see a, a cinema insomnia show, then that's, then that's the right audience to do that sort of thing. Um, a lot of shows we used to do in California were, uh, what we used to call psychotronics, uh, shows where, um, it was a lot of short subjects, a lot of like the old commercials and things, the, the trailers and stuff, the, the stuff that sort of, uh, fill the margins of the, um, cinema insomnia episodes kind of comes from the psychotronic tradition, which is basically projectionists jamming. You know, like DJs jam, you know, they've mm -hmm. got all their, they've got their little stash with all their little weird funny noises and things that they've saved and their favorite little record and the things they like to mix in and this, this other thing that the audience really likes. That's kind of how like a psychotronic film show is where you've got a bunch of projectionists who, who got their good, all their best goodies from the collection and they're just mashing, mixing it all together into one show. 
And uh, so I like, I, you know, I kind of came from that tradition. We did a lot of those kind of shows in Northern California, uh, Los Altos Community College and, and um, in bars and stages. And so I, I like that aspect to, to the, that there would be um, trailers and commercials and sort of a randomness kind of introduced uh, to the cinema side. Значит, люди смогут стыковать корабли, монтировать орбитальные станции, пересаживаться с ракеты на ракету, выходить из аварийных ситуаций. Смелый и важный шаг совершен по пути к Луне. И первыми совершили его. That is cinemainsomnia.org, I believe. No. Dot com. No. Yes. Damn. Dot com. Yes. And then OSI74.com is the, of course, where you can see the entire station. Um, yes. And I guess, I guess to close off uh, the, the, the interview, I'm just interested um, for this like 17 year trip for cinema insomnia and then like you know god knows how much longer with when you were doing like you know uh uh radio and all that kind of stuff um what wh do you have a takeaway is there something that you've learned or some sort of advice you can give to people regarding uh, humanity and life in general kind of looking for a, um, an Oprah moment here. So uh, do your best. An Oprah moment. Okay, I think I can give you an Oprah, Oprah mo a moment with that. I think when you're younger, you know, you're kind of looking at becoming rich and famous. Uh, and, you know, which is nice. You know, if you can become rich and famous, if you can become the next Steven Spielberg or the next Stephen King or the next Steven somebody, hey, that's great. Um, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of people hold their creative side of themselves hostage where if they feel like if they can't totally um you know 100 percent win at at the highest level that they're just going to go work at mcdonald's you know what i mean that that's that's the only other thing to do is to just give up on your on your dream entirely and a lot of a lot of dreams have ebbs and flows to them you know we've had good years and we've had bad years and then i've had years where uh, things were very successful and money was coming in and I've had years where, you know, the the money machine just isn't there, but we just sort of do it anyway. And ultimately, I do it because I like it and it's really meaningful to me. And if my worst case scenario is I spent my whole life doing things that I really enjoyed and that were really meaningful to me, and that's my worst case scenario... I'm doing okay. I I totally agree and I think I could I could take that for any kind of creative endeavor, I mean including this podcast. If you love doing it, then do it. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, you never know when that tipping point comes. You never know when the weight of all the work you've done catches up with you and uh sets the world on fire. But you know, those fires don't always last very long. That's true. Those fires, that fire might last five years, you know? So if it's something that you really enjoy, um, don't stop. And if you stop enjoying it, 
then stop doing it. But if you if you if you continue, if it's something that 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 heals your heart and makes you feel good and, uh, you know, gives you that uh, creative satisfaction, you're proud of what you're doing. I just don't understand, especially like people, they do Kickstarters and stuff. And I feel like they're holding their baby hostage. Like if we don't make money doing this, we're just going to pack it up. It's like it's like that. You're you know, that just that just hurts your fans. The people who are staying with you, who are who are motivated and who are are there for you. Um, you know, you can't just threaten to quit all the time. That's going to burn them out. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I always, it always kills me. Like, you know, I mean, I love Elvira and Cassandra. I mean, she's a friend and she's helped me out of my career, but you know, there've been several times where she says, okay, well, I'm not doing it anymore. It's like, I don't know if you should say that, even if you feel that true, yeah. even if you, if you think, okay, I'm not getting in the, I don't want to get in the, the, the corset anymore. That's fine. Just don't talk about it. You know, just just, you know, because because if you if you go, OK, you know, I'm so done with this. I'm going to quit. You know, I'm, I'm not going to I'm going to stop appearing in my outfit. Then that just sort of that kills that hope for anybody who's hasn't met her in person. You know, it, it, Well, it's other people's dream, too. I mean, it's you and the fans in this together, you know? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And, you know, my show goes on. It's like even when I'm not making the show, you know, and we've had years where we've only made like one and a half episodes. <laughs> we've had some bad years with this show and we've had shows we made 28 episodes, you know, we've had good years and we've had bad years. And the thing is, is that even the bad years, someone is finding my work, you know, and it's new to them, you know, and um all of the shows they haven't seen before are brand new shows. That's and it that's continues. True. That's true. I mean, you've and got so your body it's, of work. It's the, you know, it's not just about yourself and how you're feeling and how fresh you feel it is. You've got people who find your stuff, they start getting into it, and they're on that path, and they don't want to hear that you're tired of it and that it's old and that you're done with it and you don't want to do it anymore and you're not making enough money and. You know, it's it, I, I just feel like at a certain point, you know, we talked a little bit offline about mystique. You know, I think some of that mystique is kind of important because your audience is a big ingredient to what you're doing. You know, their imagination is what powers it. You know, they're coming. You know, they're it has to be a ride that they want to come along on, you know, and, and they're supplying some of that. You know, um, you know, the thing about Cinema Insomnia is so much of it is is un left to the imagination of the viewer you know it's like one-sided conversations and things that happen in the dark and you know things that are abstract or incomplete and that's on purpose because it gives the audience something to do they they're a participant in everything that's going on and their ideas are just as valid as your ideas you know and you don't want to negate you don't want to yuck their yum you don't want to negate their um their excitement of it um you know a you know, I mean, a lot of shows are like that, where they try to fill in every gap and explain everything. It's like you're taking the audience's job away from them by explaining too much. It's like you got to let the audience, the audience, you want the audience to want to play in your sandbox, you know. Um, so you can't give them everything. You know, you've got to leave them some room to get in there and 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 guess and ponder and talk about their friends oh, what did he mean by that or what was that about or you know so anyway that's my other I don't know if that's a different takeaway but I, I do think that 
you know, um, you can uh, hurt, you don't want to hurt your fans by um, by calling it quits because you don't really get to call it quits because they'll, they'll keep watching your show whether you keep making them or not. Well, that's about it for this episode. I'd really like to thank Mr. Lobo for being on the show. And uh, I'd like to encourage you to visit his website, cinemainsomnia.com and osi74.com. As always, there'll be links in the show notes that you can visit at shareslicepodcast.com. Um, also, please do follow us over at Instagram.com slash ShareSlicePodcast and um, Twitter as well, SlicesPodcast. Um, as always, um, the regular intro music is by the Fantastic Plastics and uh, the new um, Cinema Insomnia theme, the Hyper Remix, is by Scott Moon, and it's used with permission. And uh, the creepy background music during the show is from the 50s movie Daughter of Horror. And the outro song is by Zoltar, I believe. And I had a bit of a problem of finding exactly where this came from, but it's, um, it seems to be related to Technicolor Tarot theater and uh, there'll be a link to that as well in the show notes um and of course all the clips taken during the actual episode with mr lobo um that all comes from osi 74 various um items on that amazing roku vimeo and web channel and um yeah i encourage you to go to their patreon um, there'll be a link to the Patreon for OSI 74 in the show notes, which you can see in your device, or you can take a look, um, at sharesleithpodcast.com. Um, so the episode is a little late this week, as you may have noticed, if you made it all the way here, um, I'm kind of hiding out in the living room here with a little handheld mic. Um, yeah, sick kids did it. Um, so that kind of put through a monkey wrench in the entire schedule, but we've got way more cool stuff coming up. Um, amazing guests. So, um, do leave reviews if you can over at Apple, uh, podcasts or wherever. If you send me a link to a review, I will definitely play it. I rather read it on the show. So, um, so without further ado, let's leave off with the uh, outro song that I mentioned before. It's by Zoltar from Technicolor Tarot Theater. Sound is out for 
Mr. Lobo must warn you that tonight's feature was used by the local poison control center to induce vomiting. Don't stay up late. It's not worth it. Godzilla has a brain about this size. Because all you of Earth are idiots. simple answer, dear friend. A glowing beacon of slack amidst the turmoil and darkness. It's J.R. Bob Dobbs, the living slack master in his church of the subgenius. Bob brings a new destiny for the abnormal, for Bob comes to justify our sins, to unmask the conspiracy, and to get us back the slack they stole away. It's us versus them. Are you gonna fry in hell on earth alongside the pink boys? Or will you pull the wool over your own eyes and accept Bob into your mind? Repent, quit your job, slack off, and praise Bob! Church of the Sub-Genius Eternal Salvation or triple your money back.